This sicha, in addition to being on the parsha of the week, is also a siyum amasechta shviyas. The Rebbe says that by the mitzvah of the land resting on the seventh year, the mitzvah of Shemitah, the Rambam says, mitzvah say is a positive command, lishboys to rest from the working of the land and working of the tree in the seventh year, as the Pasuk says, v'shov sahoret Shabbos la'ashem, the land should rest a Shabbos to Hashem. Another Pasuk, b'charish b'katzer tishboys, you need to be resting from plowing and from reaping, so it's known the Chakira, the question is asked, is the mitzvah that the land should rest, as it sounds from the wording of the Psukim, V'shav Soha Oret Shabbos Lashem, Shabbos Shabbos Yiyela Oret, Shnas Shabbos Yiyela Oret, all Psukim that sound like it's a matter of the land resting, or as the Rambam says it elsewhere, that the mitzvah is Shatish Bois Ha'oretz Bishviz, Mimelachta, that the land should rest from its work, or is it a mitzvah that the person should rest from working the land? As in the Pasuk, Bacharish of a Kotzer Tishboys, you should rest from plowing and sowing, from plowing and reaping. And as the Rambam says, Lishboys may avoid the it's to rest from the work of the land and the work of the tree. Now, as far as the Loisase is concerned, Sodcho Loisizmer, Loisizmer, not to sow your field, not to, and not to prune your vineyards. It's obvious that the Isur Loisase is on the person, that he shouldn't work the land. The question is, however, regarding this mitzvah saseh, who is the mitzvah upon? One of the practical differences would be, if the mitzvah is that the land of a yid needs to rest, so then there's no difference who is the one that's causing that it shouldn't rest and doing work in the land. That means even if a guy is doing the work, the bottom line is that the, the land then did not have its rest and the person owning that land, the yid owning that land, was over on a mitzvah saseh. On the other hand, if it's the obligation of the person that he, the yid, shouldn't work the land, so if a goy worked the land, worked the field, then there was no Aveira done, there was no mitzvah sasei that was violated. Similar to this, there's a chakira and an argument regarding another mitzvah sasei of Shemitah, of the produce of the land. The Pasuk says, Vashvis in the seventh year, Tishmeteno, you should let go of these fruits, and the Tashto, you should abandon them. Again, is the mitzvah of Shemitah Saperis of letting go of the fruit of the land, is it that the fruit that's produced on the seventh year, the Balabais needs to make it Hefker? As the Rambam puts it in Sefer HaMitzvah, Shetzifonu Lahafkir, that the Abishta commanded us to make Hefker everything that grows in the seventh year. Or as he puts it in Sefer HaYad, Lahashmit Kol Mashatoitzi Haaretz Bishvi is to let go of everything that the land produces in the seventh year. Or do we say that Shemitah works in a way that's called Afkaita de Malka? Hashem, the king, made it Hefker, took it out of our possession. The Torah made the fruits of Shviyas Hefker and that the owner has absolutely nothing to do with it at all. Again, a practical difference would be if the person clearly did not make it Hefker. Let's say he made a fence around his field. He locked his vineyard. Now, of course, he was over on the mitzvah saseh. He's not allowed to do this. But if we say that it was his obligation to make it Hefker, so even though, yes, he had was over on the mitzvah, nevertheless, because he didn't make it Hefker, another person is not allowed to come now and take it. And if he takes it, he's going to be over on the Easter of Gzela. On the other hand, if these things are Afkaita, the Malka Hashem made it Hefker, it's essentially Hefker, then one could come and take the fruits even against the will of the owner. The Rebbe now brings another practical difference that could be, but eventually the Rebbe is going to say that not necessarily this difference actually applies. 
So the Rebbe says like this, we know that the fruits of Shemitah are potter from Miser, because they're Hefker. So now, if the obligation was that the person should make it Hefker, so what should come out is, that if he did not make Hefker these fruits of Shemitah again, for example, he made a fence around his field, then they should be obligated in Miser. On the other hand, if we say that these fruits are essentially Hefker, because Afkaita the Malka, the king, Hashem, took it out of your possession, so then it's understood that the fact that the owner did not make it Hefker has absolutely no impact on the fruit, and therefore they are still going to be potter for Miser. However, the Rebbe says, it's possible to say that this last difference doesn't really apply, that really, even if the, even if the person specifically did not make it Hefker, and even if we say that it was his obligation to make it Hefker, we might necessarily say it's still going to be exempt from Maesrus. Why? Because possibly the fact that the fruit of Shemitah are part of from Maeser, as a result of Hefker, is not only if they are practically Hefker, but even it might be even just because of the obligation to make it Hefker. The Rebbe explains this with an example. We know that in the first six years, the system, the way the maestroes work, is that there is a difference in regards to which maestroes are taken. In the first, second, fourth, and fifth years, there is maeser sheni given. Maeser sheni is the one that's taken to Yerushalayim to be eaten. On the third and the sixth year, instead of maeser sheni, maeser ani to the poor is given. Now simply the reason, of course, is that we don't give all the maeseres at the same time. Nevertheless, we don't find anywhere that and anyone should say that if for some reason you did not give, for example, Meiser Shani in the first year, so because Meiser Shani wasn't given, now you need to give Meiser Ani. Obviously, clearly the idea is that the produce of that year, there is no obligation on the, in the first year of Meiser Ani, regardless if practically you gave Meiser Shani or not. And therefore, we can apply the same thing over here in regards to the, the grain and the fruit of the seventh year. That since Torah gave you an obligation to make it Hefker, so therefore there is no obligation of Miser that year, even if practically you didn't make it Hefker. And therefore the Rebbe says, not necessarily we're going to have this practical difference in this particular case, whether it's the Torah made it Hefker or the person made it Hefker. But of course we still have that original difference that we said, that if it's the obligation of the person to make it Hefker, and he didn't make it Hefker, then if somebody else takes it, then he's stealing so the Rebbe is now going to start off with trying to side with the opinion and the idea that it's Afkai to the Malka. And then the Rebbe is going to say that not necessarily is this proof going to be a proof. So the Rebbe says seemingly we can bring a proof that the Hefker of Shemitah is Afkai to the Malka. Hashem takes it out of your possession and it's essentially Hefker. From the wording of a Medrash. The Medrash says on the following Pasuk, This is a Pasuk in Tehillim, describing the Eden as those that are very mighty, strong, doing Hashem's will. Says the Medrash that this refers to those people that keep Shemitah. Why are they called Giboyre Koyach? Because here you have a Yid that sees that the fruit in his field is Hefker. The trees are Hefker. The, the fences were all breached. His fruits are being eaten, and yet he's holding back his Yetzirah and not saying a word. This is this particular strength of, we call him Giboyri Koyach. Now from the wording of the Medrash, Roya, he sees that his field is Hefker. He sees that his trees are Hefker. It sounds like they're Hefker by themselves, not as if he made them Hefker. It sounds like it's Afkai to the Malka that Hashem took it out of his possession. Not that he made it Hefker. 
However, the Rebbe says it's not necessarily a proof. It could still mean that it's the obligation of the person to make it hefker. Because we could be, it could be that the Medush is just describing the situation, how it is practically. That his field and his trees are hefker. We're not discussing how they became hefker. That means it's even possible that the Medrash also is of the opinion that it only became Hefker because the owner made it Hefker. And the only idea of why we're saying he sees that it's Hefker doesn't mean that it became Hefker without his knowledge. It, he's the one that made it Hefker. But we can clearly understand that there's going to be a very, very big difference once he sees practically that his things are Hefker and people are taken from them. Obviously, it's going to have a bigger impact. And we call him Giboyre Koyach, that nevertheless he's containing himself even when he sees that his things are hefker and people are taking. So we don't have a proof from this medrash which way it is. Is it essentially just hefker because the Torah made it hefker or was it the person's obligation to make it hefker? So now the Rebbe takes it to the other side. The Rebbe is now going to bring a proof to the opinion and the svara that letting go of your land is not a to the Malka. It's not that the Abishta made it hefker, but rather it's your obligation, the person's obligation. And this can be understood from the fact that the Gemara compares letting go of the land to letting go of money of your, of your loans. The Gemara says, on the Pasuk V'zed Var HaShemitah, Shomoit. This is the matter of the Shemitah, the person who is owed money needs to let go of his loans. So the Gemara says from this double expression, HaShemitah, Shomoit, that the Gemara says that the Pasuk is speaking about two Shemitahs. There's the Shemitah of the land and the Shemitah of money, of letting go of loans. Practically, the Gemara has, uh, learns out from this that according to Rebbe's opinion, that would mean that Midoiraisa, the obligation of letting go of loans, is only at the same time, at the time of the Beis Hamikdash, when Midoiraisa, there is the laws of Shemitah in his opinion, etc. Now, even though the Rabbana don't agree with this general idea that these days, Shemitah's Ksofim of letting go of a loan is only Midrabanon and not Midrabanon, but that's only as far as the timing of when this mitzvah applies. But they definitely do agree with this general concept that we do make a comparison between these two Shemitahs, the Shemitah of the land and the Shemitah of money of a loan. So now we're going to have a look how the Shemitah of letting go of a loan works, and then the Rebbe is going to draw a parallel and compare that and say that the same thing applies to the Shemitah of Karkov land. So in regards to the Shemitah of money, letting go of a loan, the Mishnah says in the end of Masech Tashviyas, Hamachzer Chayv B'Shviyas, a person pays back after Shemitah a loan that he owed previously, and now Shemitah had passed, and now he wants to pay it back. The person who lent the money, the lender should say, Mishamitani, I'm letting go, I'm canceling the loan. If the person says, nevertheless, I want to pay, so then he should accept it from him. Because the Pasuk says, which we understand as meaning that he had, the word of the Shemitah, in other words, he had to say that he was letting go of the loan, but once he did his part, the person could pay him back. Says the Rebbe, if Shemitah would be a, a situation, the Shemitah of the loan would be, in a way, that Afkaita, the Malka, that Hashem automatically just cancels the loan, there is no debt anymore. So what does the Mishnah then mean by saying, someone that's paying back a debt? There is no debt. And what would it mean when the lender is saying, Mishamatani, I am canceling? He can't cancel anything. There is no loan to cancel. And furthermore, when the Mepharshim go and explain that the loyva says, nevertheless, the Mepharshim say, what does it mean nevertheless? That I want to pay the debt. What do you mean, Lefroya, to pay back the debt? You don't owe anything. 
So all of that seems to imply that clearly it's not automatically that it's cancelled. Rather, there is something that the lender over here is the one that's causing the loan to be cancelled. Furthermore, says the Rebbe, since the Torah says that Shemitah cancels the the debt, if that's the way we we would understand it, that the Torah is automatically just completely cancelling it, so seemingly there should even be an Isur for the borrower to do something the opposite of trying to return money that he's considering a debt if there is no debt. And in fact, what does the Mishnah say? That not only is he allowed to go ahead and pay it back, but Ruach HaChamim Noichemim and the Chachamim are happy with such a person. As it says in the further Mishnah, which is going to be elaborated upon much more later in the Sikha. From all of this, it seems quite obvious that Shemitah's Ksofim, letting go of a loan, and Shemitah is not in the Gedder, is not the kind of thing that it's Afkaita, the Malka, that Hashem just automatically cancels the loan, the Torah is canceling the loan, and it's completely automatically gone by itself. But rather, number one, that it's a Choyvah's Gavr, that it's an obligation on the lender to let go of the loan. And furthermore, the way the obligation works is not that he's completely, completely, absolutely getting rid of the whole debt over here. But rather, he is letting go from his part, from his claim on it. He's not demanding it. As the Pasek says, loy yigois, he shouldn't demand it. But as we'll see later in the Sikha, there is still something left within the debt. And the Rebbe says, based on this, we'll understand the wording of the Rambam, who says, that the Malva has a mitzvah to let go, to cancel the debt by Shemitah, and he goes ahead and brings the Psukim, which simply sounds like what he's saying is, that this is only, in other words, this is only Shaykh to say, the Rambam could only use these words if it was in fact something that's up to him to cancel it, not if it was Afkaita the Malka, not if it was that the Torah just cancels it. Says the Rebbe, according to this, we also understand when the Rambam says, needs to say to a, the Malva needs to say, the lender needs to say to someone who wants to return the loan, he should say, I'm canceling the loan, I'm letting go of the loan, and you're exempt from me. In other words, I don't have any claims on you. And then, if he says, nevertheless, I want you should accept it, he should accept it. And the Rambam says, because the Apostle says, Lo yigos, you shouldn't demand it. And he didn't demand it. In other words, what the Rambam is telling us is that the Chiv and the Mitzvah of the Malva, when he says Mashmit, I mean that he's canceling the loan, is how do we define that Mitzvah? The, the, the Mitzvah is defined by the fact that he's not, Lo yigos, that he's not going to be canceled, that he's not going to be demanding the loan. In other words, this isn't like just a separate love and a separate Isur in the concept of letting go of the loan that you shouldn't demand it. It's sort of the way we do the mitzvah of Shemitah of letting go of the loan as a mitzvah say, the main point is that I am not demanding the loan. And as the Chinuch puts it, the main point is to let go, to not demand the debt. And that's also the way it sounds in the Psukim. That a person who is owed the money should let go of all of this. We shouldn't demand it. Etc. And that which you, your brother owes you, you should let go of it, you should cancel it. Says the Rebbe, since the loyigos, this idea of not demanding the loan, obviously is forcing the Malva to let go and not demand this debt. 
So therefore, automatically, the person, the loive, as far as his obligation goes, so he's no longer to pay the debt either, because obviously these two things are going to be connected to each other. The malva has to let go of his claim, so clearly the loive is not going to have to pay. As the Rambam puts it, we quoted before, Mashmitani, I am cancelling it, so you are now exempt, you have no obligation to me. He doesn't have any shibud, he doesn't have any obligation anymore to the malva. But that's only as far as these two people are concerned, that one doesn't owe the other one anymore. There's nothing binding anymore between the malva and the loiva, the lender and the borrower. However, says the Rebbe, there is still something on the nichseh haloiva, there is still some sort of obligation on the, on the, pro, on the possessions of the borrower, because again, the essence, the very choiv itself was not completely, completely cancelled out. It's not completely gone. It's just that he cannot demand it from him and the other person now does not owe it to him. But there's still something left within the debt itself. And that's why it's understood why most of the poise can hold, besides an individual, a single opinion of the Yireim, that holds that there's no gedder of a mitzvah of the loivet to pay back to the malva. In other words, even before the Malva says those words, Mashmitani, there's no, as far as the people are concerned, there's no absolute obligation. But on the other hand, we are calling it Machzer Choyve, that he's giving back his debt. Because even though the Loive is exempt from paying the debt, but that's only as, as, in other words, as a debt as him owing it to the Malva. But as far as the money itself is concerned, that debt never really went off. Or the Rebbe says, to put it in a little bit of different words, when a person borrowed the money, so on some of his possessions, according to the amount of the loan, in some way it's as if the Malva almost like owns it now. There is a certain obligation now from those possessions on to the, between, that belongs in a certain sense to the Malva. So therefore, again, just to, to summarize this last point, on the one hand, between the two people... Yes, there's no obligation anymore. He let go of the loan. The other person doesn't owe him the money. But to a certain extent, on the chefza, on the actual money itself, there is still some sort of chayv, there's still some sort of debt that really it should have gone back to its original place. Because again, we're saying the main thing was the chayv's gavra that happened over here. The people canceled the loans. But as far as the Torah was concerned, the Torah never went ahead and made that essentially there is no loan anymore. Now, the Rebbe says it's difficult to say that it's only a matter of what we call priyas bal choiv mitzvah, that there is a concept that a person's a mitzvah to pay back the loan, like some of Farshim want to learn the pshat now or Mishnah. But the Rebbe says, as we said before already, there's only, it's a das yachid that holds this, that this idea that there's a chiyuv still, that the loiv needs to give back the choiv to the malva if he didn't say mishamet ani that I'm canceling the loan. Furthermore, the Rebbe says, if in fact it is a mitzvah of paying the loan, even if it's only midrabanon, and it's not mamashachiyuv, and so sorry, so then, if it's, it's a mitzvah, then how do you, then, then in fact it is a chiyuv, then it's, then he should be doing it. It shouldn't just say, oh, the chachamim are happy when he pays it back. So again, bottom line, what we're saying is that in Shemitah's Ksofim, it was mainly the obligation of the lender to cancel the loan. It's not that the Torah automatically canceled it. Says the Rebbe, based on this way of understanding the way it works by loans of money, it makes sense to say that it's in a similar way works by the loan of la- by by letting go of the land, because it's the same gather of shemitah in the seventh year, both by land, by the fields, and by money. 
especially as we said before, that we're connecting it when the Pasuk says, V'zed dvar hashmita. And as the Rebbe, and what does V'zed dvar hashmita mean? That in other words, again, he's the one that has to make it, he has to say that he's letting go of it. And as the Rambam also brings over in Sefer HaMitzvah, by the mitzvahs I say of letting go of money, he brings also this idea that the Toisefta says, B'shtei, that there's two Shemitahs the Pasuk is speaking about. One is the Shemitah of the land, and one is the Shemitah of the money. We put them together. And what does V'zed Vara Shemitah mean? As it goes on to say, by the Mitzvah of Shemitah, in other words, that the mitzvah, it's a Mitzvah on the person to Dvar, to say something, to let go of it. In this case, it's to let go of the field, just like in the case of letting go of the money that he's going to cancel the loan. The only difference between the two will be is that by letting go of the loan, the main point, as we said before, was that he's not allowed to demand the money anymore, but there's still in some way the shibud of the hefts, the money in itself, there's, we can't say that there's no debt at all anymore on, the, on that money. Whereas by the letting go of the land, where it says clearly, you need to completely abandon the land. So clearly over here, the payrace and the produce and the grain, etc. are absolutely completely hefker, different again to the loan. Says the Rebbe, based on this explanation of how it works by letting go of a loan, and the way we explain how machzor that if a person does return the loan, the Chachamim are happy because as we explained, in some way there was still an obligation left, not on the person, but on the money, on the, on the object. We'll also now understand the continuation in that Mishnah all the way at the very end of Masech Tashviyas. And the Mishnah brings another two cases where the Chachamim are happy with someone that did something that seemingly he wasn't obligated in. So number one, Someone borrowed money from a geir. Now here we had a geir that became a convert along with his children. Now we know that Alpitoira, once he becomes a geir, we know the concept of Ketinik Shanoiladami, there's no real relationship anymore between the father and the children. So he borrowed the money from this geir. And so he does not have to return it to the children because legal, according to Torah, they're not actually considered children, etc., Nevertheless, the Mishnah says, if he does give it back, Ruach HaChamim, Noichim, and the Chachamim are very, very pleased with him, etc. Another case, Kala Metaltlin Niknin B'Meshicha, movable objects, the way they become acquired by a buyer from the seller, is not just by the person saying, I'm going to sell it to you, or I'm going to buy it from you. It's not even just by giving money, but he actually, actually has to move it. What about if he didn't move it? Says the Mishnah, but if they still keep their word, they had made up, they're going to buy it, sell it, etc., even if there was no Meshicha made, again, the Chachamim are happy with this person. The connection between these two cases, to the first case of the person giving back his loan in, after Shemitah, is not only because these are three cases that the Chachamim are happy with this person, but also in the reason of why the Chachamim are happy with him. That is, just like when a person gives back his debt of Shemitah. So again, we said, there's no obligation in Shibud from the person. The person wasn't chayiv to give back the loan. It was more about the object. Is something really that should have been given back. There's a certain, in a certain sense, it still had some connection to its original owner. 
And for this reason, we say that you're not obligated, but it's just the Chachamim are happy when you gave it back. So too in the other two cases, that there's no shibud of the person. The person wasn't obligated to give it back, whether it's the loyve giving to the children of the geir, or the buyer needing necessarily to give it to the sell, the seller necessarily needing given to the buyer, where the buyer never even made the mishicha. But again, it's a shibud of the chefza, the object. There was some sort of shibud, as we will soon see. And this is why the Chachamim are happy when the transaction goes through or when the person gives back the money to the children of the Ger, as the Rebbe will soon explain. Furthermore, the Rebbe says, to add another point, according to a general rule in the way Mishnayus work, when we have a few cases in one Mishnah, in the majority of cases, the way it works is something called loizu afzu. That means the Mishnah will say one thing, and then we'll tell us the next case, which is even a bigger chidush, more of a novelty. And then if there's another case, that means there's something in some way more novel about that next case. So we have to say that the three cases of our Mishnah as well are set up in a way that each one of the later cases somehow has somehow some sort of chidush in why it is that the Chachamim are happy with this person compared to the previous case. In order to understand this, the Rebbe first looks at some diyukim in the Mishnah. In the first case, why does the Mishnah have to say, you don't return it to the children, in the case of the Geir? It could have just said, someone that borrows from a Geir, that his children became Geirim also, if he returns it to the children, the Chachamim are going to be satisfied, are going to be happy, which you would have understood already, that clearly he wasn't obligated to give it to the children, but the Chachamim are happy. In the next case, when we speak about that all movable objects only become the buyers once he moved it. But then, if nevertheless, they keep their word to each other. Again, it's not understood as the Mepharshim ask. The mission is mainly coming to tell us the Maila of if a person keeps his word, even though there was no, there was no obligation, the Chachamim are happy. So it's not a place of explaining the dinim of kinyanim of the way things are acquired by each other. That's not the place over here. That, that's explained elsewhere in Mishnayis. And in fact, this idea of keeping your word doesn't only apply when acquiring movable objects. It applies in so many cases. So then why do we need to give this introduction of kala metaltal and nikrim It could have just been a simple Mishnah. A person keeps his word even though there was no obligation. The Chachamim are happy. So the Rebbe says the explanation is, the simple meaning of Ruach HaChamim Noichem Menu means that the Chachamim like this person. It is very good in their eyes what this person had done. And what this means is not only because he fulfilled and he did a separate mitzvah over here, so to speak. In other words, the idea that he's keeping his word or whatever it is, and, or he's not doing an is, isur, even though he wasn't obligated and the Chachamim are happy by him um, keeping his word and not being over on some other thing, but rather that somehow what this person is doing is bringing some benefit within this transaction or whatever is going on here itself. In our case, the Rebbe is going to apply this to all three ideas. And the Rebbe says, when we speak about the idea of a loan, when we speak about the fact that the Chachamim are happy with this person, the fact that he did a good thing, even though he wasn't obligated, what is the benefit? What is the mile that's happening over here? It's not only in a side idea. He's doing something that we're happy that he's, that he's doing things that he's not obligated in. 
but rather it somehow impacts within the halva itself, within the loan itself. And the Rebbe explained, within a loan, and so too when you have a kinyan, acquiring something, generally you have three aspects, three subjects. We have the malva, we have the lender, we have the loiva, the borrower, and we have the money that was being lent, and which is making that connection between the malva and the loiva. So now, to apply this by the person giving back the loan in Shemitah, we said that a ruach hachamim noichem there is something happening in regards to all of these three that the Chachamim are happy about. The Malva, the lender who is now getting back his money, and he had done a mitzvah, the mitzvah in Kesef Talva, to lend money. So the Chachamim are happy from the fact that because this person is now getting back his money, so now he is not going to suffer, so to speak, any loss as a result of his mitzvah. So the Chachamim are very satisfied and very happy. Here he had a person who did a mitzvah and he's not going to have a loss. As far as the loiv is concerned, so there's two points that Rebbe says. First of all, the Malva had done him a favor. Rebbe uses the expression, Bira de it's like the well from which you have drunk. You had a benefit from this person. So the Chachamim are happy from the fact that the Loiva has this feeling to pay the Malva back again, although he's not obligated to, but that he is paying him back. In addition to the benefit that the Loiva is going to have himself, that if he ever needs a loan again, clearly this man will be happy to lend him the money again. And then in regards to the object of the loan, the money itself, the actual loan itself, the debt itself, so since, as we explained earlier in the Sikha, there was still some sort of shibud remaining on this object. Again, although there was no chiyuv on the loiva to pay it back, but there was still something of this loan that was not cancelled out completely as far as the object was concerned, so the chachamim are happy when this chayv, when this debt is taken care of. Now we move on to the second case, and here we're going to see that it's only going to apply what the Chachamim are happy about, that there's a benefit happening only in two of these. And that's going to be the Chiddush, and nevertheless the Chachamim are happy, even though it wasn't all three things that needed to be dealt with. So the Rebbe says, in the case of the person that borrowed from the Geir, and his children became Geirim, and we say you don't pay back to the children, but if you do, the Chachamim are happy. So here too, the fact that the Chachamim are happy are not only because of some sort of side point, that... You know, if the children don't get paid back, they might, has shown, go back to their bad ways, want to be goyim, etc., etc. But rather, there's a benefit again within the loan itself. But in this case, it's only going to be regarding two things. Regarding the loiva, the borrower, and the object of the loan, of the debt, the money. And that is, since the loiva had a benefit from the geir, and he borrowed money from him in order to pay it back, so even though the death of the geir cause that now Alpihalacha is technically exempt from paying. But since he took it upon himself to pay originally, so in some sense that by him there is still some sort of a continuation of this chayv, of this debt, and therefore again there is that midatoiva if he does give it back. Similar to what we said before. So too as far as the money itself, the debt itself. So although yes it's true there is no malva anymore to give it back to. The lender is no longer around to give the debt back to. But the actual shibud, like we said before, the actual obligation on the loiva, on the borrower's possessions, in the amount of this debt, it's almost as if it doesn't belong to him. There is money within his possessions that on that money there is some obligation that it needs to go somewhere. Whoever sort of took off that shibud, that shibud was never cancelled. 
And therefore, there's still some room to give back that money. Now, who's he going to give it back to? Obviously, the only one that the money has some sort of connection to is to the children. Now, yes, it may be because of a technical reason. We don't want them to go back to their bad ways, etc., etc. But there is some sort of connection to them. And therefore, he, if he gives it back to his children, the Chachamim are going to be very, very happy. So that's two things. Again, there's the good aspect from the Loivis perspective that he's doing the right thing. He's doing a good thing. He's doing a nice thing. As well as the object of the money is leaving its shibud now. It's going to now leave the Loivis possessions. As far as the third one, the Malva, well, clearly you can't say there's any benefits for the Malva. The Malva is no longer here anymore. And again, the children are not proper considered Yerushim. They're not the gather of the Malva. So we can now understand also the question we asked before when the Mishnah started off by saying, Lo you don't originally return the money. You don't have to return the money. Even though it could have been understood from the fact that we say that if you return it, the Chachamim will be happy, which would have implied you weren't obligated. Because it's coming to emphasize the idea that the Loive and his children, the Geir and his children, have absolutely no connection to each other. Not only from the perspective of Halacha, because they are not together of the Malva, and that the Loive has absolutely no Shibud to these people, but even as far as the Ruach HaChamim, really technically there's no connection to these children. Rather, we said the Ruach HaChamim Noichem, and it was for a different reason, as we said before. Again, first of all, because of the Loivis perspective that he's still doing a nice thing, and also as far as the money's perspective is concerned, but nothing to do as far as the other party, the children of the Malva, of the Geir, or even the Geir himself. Says the Rebbe, now we can understand why we're saying it a second, a second case in our Mishnah. And why this is a Chiddush over the first case. The case of Aloivim and Ager compared to the first case, the money of Shviz. As we said before, Loizu Avzu, it's each one is a bigger Chiddush than the previous one. The idea of Ruach Achamim Noichim Menu in our case is not only when the benefit comes to all three, as in the case of Shemitah, where there was the Malve, the Loive, and the object of the money, but the Chachamim are also satisfied even in the case where the benefit only came to two out of these three. Now we move on to the next case where the, we'll see that there's only one out of these three. And that was the case of Kolametaltel and Niknin B'Meshicha. And someone that fulfills those words, Ruach Chachamim Noichem Imenu. Here too, when we say the Chachamim are happy, is again not just because of a side thing that he's fulfilling his, 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 his word that he said that he's going to sell it or buy it. But also, again, as far as the object is concerned, in this case, the movable object. But in this case, it's only going to be the object, not as far as the moicher, the seller or the buyer are concerned. And that is, since the buyer did not make the mashikha, he never moved the object. In fact, even if he gave money, as we said before. So there's no shibud, there's no connection, there's no obligation between the moicher and the lekeach, between the buyer and the seller that there should be any sort of connection between them as a buyer and a seller, if we look at it from the perspective of the dinim of Kenyan. Furthermore, even if he's going to fulfill his words, you can't say necessarily that there was a toiva benefit that was taken care of over here, as far as the moicher and the coin and the buyer and the seller are concerned. Because the loikeach, the buyer, wouldn't have lost anything in a case, let's say, that he gave the money, of course, he'll get his money back if he's not getting the object. But there is something as far as the object is concerned. That means the moment there was, a, there was an agreement made that it's going to be sold, so these movable objects in some way became connected 
to this koineh by the words of the moicher that he is going to sell it or because the loikeach, the buyer, gave money for it. And that's what the Mishnah is saying, that even though the moicher and the are not necessarily benefiting anything in an absolute way, but there was just something for the hefzer, this object that now moved to its rightful place. So even though the benefit was only for one of the three, here too, Ruach HaChamim, Noichem Imenu, the HaChamim are again, once again, very pleased and happy. Says the Rebbe, we see something very interesting over here. In regards to this whole din of Shemitah Ksafim, we see two opposite ideas. On the one hand, we're saying that the idea of Shemitah Ksafim, Shomit Kobal Masha Yodeh, and Lo Yigis Esreyayu, is more a matter, more of a negative idea. In other words, that there's, there's, there's a matter of canceling, letting go, not collecting the loan. And therefore, we said, the Chacham are going to be very satisfied with what you did. Because the person was supposed to let go of the loan, and as long as he did that technically, there's no obligation. So there's this idea of canceling. In other words, it's more a matter of negative. So too, the idea of Shemitah's Karkois, Vishav Saharit's Shabbos Lashem, we say, Sot Choli Sizra, not to sow your, sow your fields, and to prune your, your vineyards. And those things that grow by themselves, you know, a lot of cut down and harvest, and so too with the grapes. It's a year of a Shabbos to Hashem, etc., etc. So it's more a matter of the negative, that the land shouldn't be worked. So it's more a matter of the negative aspect. On the other hand, we say that this very thing itself of negative needs to be expressed through a positive action, through your speech, a positive speech. You need to do something in order to cancel or to make hefker these things. As we said before, if a person wants to give you back the money, you need to say, I'm canceling the loan. As it says, which we said means you actually have to say the words that it's being canceled. According to some opinions, this is a mitzvah to say those words. So it says in the continuation of the mitzvah, there's another case of Ritzeach Shagololir Miklot. If Ritzeach went to the Miklot, the people of the city want to honor him. He should say, that if they say, nevertheless, we want to give you the honor, then he could accept it because it says, So in that case, it's more a matter of they shouldn't give him honor by mistake. As it says clearly in Yerushalmi, that when they give him honor, it's because um, they think that he knows two mesechters or that he knows one mesechters. If a person, they think that he knows two mesechters and he knows one mesechter, he needs to tell them that he doesn't know two mesechters, etc. But that's different to our case where there is this idea that he needs to say, this is the mitzvah that he needs to say that he's canceling the debt. So the Rebbe is going to explain what these two ideas are. On the one hand, it's more of a negative. He's canceling the debt. There's no debt. But he also has to say it. There's a dibur. So the Rebbe says, according to Chassidus, we know that the year of Shemitah, the seventh year, is the sphere of Malchus. And here we have these two ideas. On the one hand, we speak about the bitul that Malchus has in comparison to all of the previous spheres, the higher spheres. It's bottled to the previous spheres. On the other hand, we say the sphere of Malchus specifically is the idea of Dibur. Malchus represents the concept of speech. And therefore, in the year of Shemitah, we also have these two ideas. On the one hand, it's a matter of not working the land. The land is resting. It's more that neg- negative aspect. Loy Sizra, we're not sowing it. And so too, we need to let go of those loans. But on the other hand, there's that positive, there's a concept of Dibur. Dvar Hashmita. We need to speak about it. We need to let go of the land, making it hefker or letting go of the loan. So the Rebbe, now we could also understand the words of the Medrash that we quoted before. That Shoimri Shvi are called Oisei Dvaroi. Lishmoya Bakoil Dvaroi. 
Usually the normal expression will be those who do his mitzvahs, those who do his chukim. Why dibur over here? Because Shemitah is specifically connected to this idea of dibur. And as the Medrash also proves the fact that we're speaking about those that keep Shemitah, the Medrash actually learns from this passage that we said. It says over here, Oisei Devoroi. And by Shemitah it says, Vezed Dvar HaShemitah. So just like the Dover that says over there, by Shemitah is speaking about those that keep Shemitah, so to Dvar that it says over here is speaking about people that keep Shemitah. Says the Rebbe, with this will be more geschmack that the Mesechta Shvi is specifically fixed, finishes off with this idea of Kala Makayim as Devaroi. Those that keep their words. The Ruach Chachamim Noichem the Chachamim are specifically happy and pleased with this person. The Rebbe concludes that through learning and being involved in the halachis of Shemitah, as we know when you're learning about something, it's as if you kept it. We're going to hasten the time that the Pasuk says, Ratziso Hashem Artsecha, that the Ebishter satisfied with his land, when we keep the Shemitah, that those that were the captives of Beis Yaakov come back from their captivity and are returned. And then the Pesach says, gives us all the good and the land gives us all of its produce. And we become those we keep the mitzvah of Shemitah, keeping it, fulfilling it in the simple sense, and the literal sense, in Eretz HaKodesh and Midoy Raisa, Bekarev Mamash, when the Ebishter will fulfill his words, Dvar Hashem Zehakeitz, the end of Golos, and Vahoysel Hashem Amluch Bevias Mashiach Tzedkeinu, Vyelicheinu Kaimimiyus Laratzeinu.